Hi, church. Um, I'm Boris, and I'll be doing the Bible reading this morning. Uh, today we're reading from Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, to Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. At Providence, we read the Bible because we believe in God's Word, and we believe this is how we can take comfort um, by delving deep into His Word. So, Philippians 3, 12. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have t often told you before, and now tell you again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his in glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friend. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We do thank you that you speak to us through it, that... Uh, you're sovereign even over everything that's happening right now, but your word is still uh, eternal. And we do pray that as we hear from it now, you'll encourage us, you'll convict our hearts, uh, you'll remind us of your, your goodness and your, um, yeah, your, your awesomeness, uh, your glory. I pray that as we get into it, Lord, you'll um, yeah, uh, help us to see Help us to see that. Help us to see the greater treasure we have in Jesus. So we do pray for this in your son's name. Amen. Uh, have you guys been following the news this last few months? Uh, I really want to actually hear from you. Uh, what has been some really interesting stories that has come up in the news? Have you guys got any? It's a small group I can ask you guys. What have you found in the news that was really interesting during this pandemic? Kanye, tell me about Kanye. What about him? Yeah, he went through a manic episode, I think. Yep. Yep. What else has happened during this pandemic? Pandemic related, perhaps. A German Shepherd got it. Yeah, we just heard about that the other day. A dog got it, and that was really sad. Hey, we thought dogs couldn't get it. Just some of the things I've heard recently. I mean, uh, 
you might have heard about that bunch, there's a bunch of conspiracy theorists in Victoria meeting together, having meetings about this, thinking that this is all a sham, there is no coronavirus. You might have heard about border hoppers, people like, what's her name, Eve Black, who, who's like, you know, really disregarding police and, and being really rude. Uh, you might have heard about uh, how the name Karen has gotten a really bad rep these last few months. I don't know why. I still don't understand that. I feel sorry for all my Karen friends out there. Uh, but what was funny, I think, uh, that seemed to make news as well was a guy in Melbourne who drove 32 kilometers to get a specific butter chicken. Do you guys, did you guys hear that one? Surely you did, right? Like he was really keen on this, this curry uh, and he drove across Melbourne and he was fined about uh, $1,600 for breaking lockdown rules, for driving across Melbourne to get this curry, right? Now, he must have really wanted to eat curry to take the risk to, to drive across town and get a fine of you know, over $1,600 you know, to get that butter, butter chicken. Uh, but people are, are taking risks, aren't they, during this time? People don't want to believe there's a pandemic. People want to uh, do what it takes for them because they're feeling the itch for curry or they're feeling the itch to uh, go interstate to see their friends or they're feeling the itch to uh, go to the parties even during lockdown and risk it. Risk it because who cares what the law says? Who cares what other people feel, how they feel? You know, this is what I want. I want my butter chicken now. And, and social media has, has done something to us, hasn't it? I mean, we look online and we always see that people are having fun, even during a pandemic. And so we wish we could have fun too. We don't want to be on lockdown. I know many of us are dreading to go back there if it happens in Brisbane, if there's an outbreak here in Brisbane. And I think what we're seeing is, in general, this is how we're wired. In general, we're people who uh, don't want to be influenced. We, we don't want to be uh, told what to do but we're influenced by what other people are doing and we want to live out what they're doing, right? And so again, social media tells us, hey, consume more because this is where you're going to find pleasure. This is where you're going to find life in the things we buy, in the experiences we have, in that restaurant that was reviewed by Urban List and, oh, that looks so good, in those new sneakers that were advertised that lift our game, in that new mobile phone uh, that tells you you're going to be so much more productive if you just own this phone. Or in that relationship, that, you know, that casual hookup or sex, if you just scroll right. We see other experiencing, we see other experiencing pleasure, and we don't want to miss out on that culture, do we? It's ingrained into our culture. We don't want to miss out on that pleasure. I mean, it's the whole idea of FOMO. We don't say, it's, you don't hear this word much anymore, but FOMO is so ingrained in our culture, and, and it's been ingrained for such a long time, the fear of missing out, that FOMO. And we combine that, don't we, with the mantra of YOLO, you only live once. So there's this fear of missing out because you only live once. And I know many of us might think you, you know, we're immune, but we're not. When you start working full-time, many of us have felt this. All our friends who are still in uni, they stay up late every night, and you wish you could too. Or if you become a parent, do we have any parents here today? No. When you become a parent, you know, and all our friends don't have kids yet, and they have this flexible schedule, you know, really flexible schedule, but you don't because you're a parent now, and you've got to be at home for your child. There's a bit of FOMO there, isn't there? I mean, sure, the joys outweigh it, but, <laughs> you know, all we're in lockdown, and Krispy Kreme are giving out free donuts. Oh, so we've got to be there because it's free. And, you know, there's this thing about foam that affects, to some, to some degree, affects all of us. It affects us. And, I mean, if you don't think so, surely you've said at some point in your life, the grass is always greener on the other side. I mean, just that statement alone says something, doesn't it? 
We always want more. We always dream of something more. Now we've got to consider the, the Christian faith, the Christian lifestyle. People will tell us, and sometimes we'll tell ourselves, it's somehow a downgrade to life. If we become a Christian, it's something lesser. We're missing out. And, and it's the impression that people have of becoming a Christian. Some will take Jesus and what he offers, but living the Christian life out, how will you deal with FOMO? How can you have the right perspective to life as a Christian, even when you might feel like you're missing out on living, on life? And I think Philippians has really helped us, hasn't it, to see where life is found. It's given us an insight to Paul's heart, one that loves and treasures Jesus, and a heart that loves and serves his church, the gospel community as well. But there are a few things in this passage from verse 12 uh, that Paul wants us to see. He wants us to see, firstly, that we need to fix our eyes on the prize that the gospel gives us. So let's read it again from chapter 3, verse 12. Have your Bibles. You can follow along with me. Chapter 3, verse 12 says this, Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. And so we've got to think of life like a journey, right? The Christian life is a journey where on this amazing race with lots of experiences, obstacles, hurdles, and at the end of the journey, there's a prize of which Paul says we're called heavenward in Christ Jesus, right? The end goal. We believe that heaven exists, an eternal kingdom. But what makes it heaven? Sure, there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more sin, as the Bible says. All the good things. But there's also the best part. You know, when, we go, when we read through books like Revelation in the Bible, the best part of heaven is that God is there. We're going to be worshipping God together. Heaven can't be heaven without God there. And so Paul says in this life, we need to, verse 13 says, strain on towards what is ahead. We need to press on toward that goal. And it's a wonderful goal, isn't it? To know that we get to be with the giver, our creator. We can enjoy all the gifts that life gives us today, but we can also know that there's a opportunity there'll be the uh the time in front of us ahead of us where we get to be with the giver forever that's going to be ultimately more satisfying than the gifts we enjoy today you know it's, it's one of those things that we need to realize that the the difference with the christian life and 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 it isn't just some race it's when we begin as a christian we already have the prize the prize is we have god And the prize of having God is secure in Jesus. He says, I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. See, the that in the sentence is the prize, the salvation that we have. Take hold of that salvation which Jesus has secured for us. Yeah, many people want pleasure now and forever, right? We want satisfaction, we want happiness. But the heart of salvation is the fact that our sin has been removed. The fact that the dividing wall between us and God has been taken down. We have full and direct access to our maker, the creator. We get to be with him forever, the source of all goodness, the giver of all gifts. We get to enjoy that today and forevermore. That's been secured by Jesus, he says. 
And so in verse 16, Paul says, let us live up to what we have already attained. And so he's, he's being really re- repetitive here. Persevere because you have attained, you have the gospel. You've received the gospel in your heart. Live it out. Fix your eyes on that prize, on the salvation that you have. Run the race. Persevere. Why? Because we're not quite perfect there yet. We're not quite there yet. Like a child that grows and, and matures, we too as Christians grow deeper in maturity, in our understanding of God and Jesus. When we receive Jesus, you receive the greatest gift. Yes, you receive salvation. But we still need to live it out, don't we, in this world? We still need to fight against temptation. We still need to grow in in repentance and obedience before we get there, before we get to the end goal. We've got to figure out how to do life with God as we live in this world. It's much like marriage, isn't it? Eunice and Jeff, you guys just got married December. I was there December last year. Seven months. So just finish the honeymoon phase, right? Now you guys are starting to really get on each other's nerves. No, still in honeymoon phase. It's awesome, right? But the goal of the wedding day isn't that you already made it, is it? It's just the beginning of the journey. Together you will grow together. Together you'll work through issues together. Together you'll, you know, that's what marriage is going to look like. The end goal of marriage isn't just putting the wedding ring on, is it? It's the, there's a goal to continue on, that to grow in a deeper relationship with the other person. And it's been amazing, hasn't it? For you, I mean, for you two, it's been amazing. I mean, Eunice used to live on the west side. Did you guys know that? She wasn't a south sider. Jeff lived on the south side. That's on the, like nearly opposite sides of the world. Now they moved in and they're living together, working through marriage, growing deeper in love in a stronger marriage. They press on towards growing in a, a love under God. Neither person is perfect. I've been married for eight years. Eight years? Eight years, and we're still not perfect yet. We're still growing in marriage, my wife and I. But we press on. We, we work on ourselves. We work on our relationship. And it's the same thing with God, isn't it? We aren't yet perfect. None of us here can say we're perfectly holy, right? Yet we want to take hold of what God has given to us. That salvation. Take hold of that means to persevere and to grow and mature in holiness. That's only possible through Jesus. Paul says, strive to live that reality of that future holiness. Live that out today. And as you do that, you'll battle temptations. You'll face challenges. You'll fight FOMO. But we'll keep pressing on. We'll keep carrying on, right? With our eyes fixed on the prize, the great treasure we have in Jesus. And that's what he says next, verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I've often told you before and now, tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Now here, Paul wants the church to look to him as a model of someone who has his eyes fixed on Jesus. He wants to be the, the, the forerunner for all. And Paul's model is one that goes, uh, we heard in Philippians chapter 1, the mantra, right? To live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul says, follow in my footsteps as I follow Christ. He's not Jesus, but he strives to live out a life in the footsteps of Jesus. He's not without sin. He never says that. He's perfect. He doesn't claim to be perfect like Jesus. He calls us brothers and sisters here as well right? Follow my example, brothers and sisters. We're on the same level as Paul. That's what he's saying. The same spiritual level before God. 
He wants to remind us of that. This guy who's written half the Bible for us, we're on the same playing field, and that's what the gospel does. It's a great equalizer, isn't it? We all have to, before God, admit that we're all sinners. And so Paul says, you know, Paul's this guy who's, you know, he's striving on. He's pressing forward to be more like Jesus. And it's crazy to imagine this because I look at myself and then I look at Paul and I'm like, man, Paul is so much more manly than I am, <laughs> so much more godly than I am. And he says, Mikey, you know, I'm only human too. Yeah, Paul, he's gone top of, the, top of his game. He's top of the corporate ladder. You can imagine that. He's a straight-A student, but he's not perfect, he's, he's admitting. Look to me, not to follow in my footsteps, but look to me as I follow Jesus, and you'll stay on the right path. He says this as he warns against those who don't follow in the footsteps, enemies of the cross of Christ, he says. And for Paul, we don't know exactly who this crowd is, especially today. Like he writes this, you know, over 2,000 years ago. We don't know who exactly he means, but he could be referring to the same people he talked about last week. Uh, if you remember last week, he talks about those who, uh, those are the circumcision, those he called some dogs, uh, following rituals and laws, adding to the gospel. He says, he's saying anyone who calls themselves believers of God, yet glories in their shame, that in their own works instead of loving Jesus, they love the things the world offers. Paul calls them enemies of Jesus. It's a warning for those who, who aren't following Jesus. And there are many, sometimes, sadly, in the church who are like, they're like frenemies of God, right? Friends and enemies, they smile, they pretend to get along, but underneath the surface, there's this bitterness, there's this grudge. I don't know if you've ever had frenemies. I've had many over the years. And, but for Paul, you know, you, you, Paul says their minds are set on earthly things, not on godly things, not on holy things. The la language here sounds so condemning. Paul's like, man, you know, their, what, their stomach their, it's, is their destruction, their glory is their shame, all this stuff. He sounds so condemning, but really behind it is his tears. He wants his enemies to be friends with God, to see the cross as their glory, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and grow in their love for Jesus, not for the worldly things around them. And it, and it brings me to tears at times, but there are Christians who believe that God doesn't want us to experience suffering in this world. There are Christians who believe that uh, we as Christians need to experience riches now. It's, it's what we've talked about in the past, this prosperity gospel, the health and wealth gospel that we can be rich and, and fight sickness if we just have faith. They're, they're the frenemies of God. They, they seem like they're friends with God, but they're really preaching a different message altogether. It's a message really of instant gratification, isn't it? We want that butter chicken now. <laughs> we, we don't want to believe God doesn't want His children to suffer. He wants us to be healthy. He doesn't want us to be in and out of hospital. He doesn't want us to suffer mental illnesses. He doesn't want us to catch COVID. And so people are preaching to their churches, we, we're invincible, friends. Don't worry about coronavirus. Let's keep meeting together. Let's not worry about social distancing. There are preachers telling us that God wants our bank accounts to be full. And it's a false message. They're frenemies of the gospel. And it's so easy to get sucked into that. Paul's saying... Press on in the footsteps of Jesus. 
Just because it sounds good and feels good, it doesn't always mean it's good, friends. Those who preach a false message are enemies of the cross of Christ. He says instead, follow my example. And those who live by the cross of Christ. You know, I know many of us here, we, by God's grace, we, we live in this middle class life, don't we? Jobs, houses, nice clothes to wear. But the Christian life, when we live by grace, it's not easy, is it? We will be making sacrifices for the sake of the gospel. We will be taken out of our comfort zones at times. We will have to stand up for what we believe in. We will have to make Jesus known because he's worth it and people might ridicule you for it. We will be taken out of our comfort. We will be making decisions sometimes about, uh, about having or not having sex, who we marry, how we pursue God, who we pursue God together with, whether we choose a life of singleness or not. We have to make decisions about how we use our money, how we're generous with it. We have to make decisions about our homes and being intentional with the relationships that we make, thinking through gospel hospitality. What does that look like? And sometimes that's really hard. And it's precisely hardships, taking up the cross of Christ in our life that points us to God. Now let me say this, there is no room to think that we deserve certain privileges or entitlements in life just because we're Christians. The entitled will soon find that we're owed actually nothing in this world. But the Christian, we hold on, don't we? And we press forward to the gift of heaven that's been secured for us. In doing so, we depend on God. And in doing so, we follow in Christ's footsteps. And I know many of us, we're young, we're ambitious. The world is offering me far more at this moment in life. I want gratification now. God can wait. Let me, let me work really hard and then I'll retire early and then I'll start giving to church or I'll start giving more of my time to volunteer. I just need to hustle right now. But Paul is clear, the enemies of the cross are those who will tell us that you need this, this more in your life than you need Jesus. That you need the things of this world, that gratification now. And if this isn't your pursuit in life, well, guess what? You're missing out. That's what we hear, don't we? And that's what we're tempted by. But it's a lie. See, the fear of missing out is, is not and can't be an excuse for a life lived without Jesus. And, and we have a laugh at, at the struggles with FOMO. We make memes about it. But has it ever struck you that FOMO really reveals an ugly side of our heart? A heart that's never satisfied, never content. Despite living in one of the richest and safest countries in the world, our desire is always for more. Have you noticed that? And if, and if we call ourselves Christians, followers of Jesus, to know that we grumble often against God's provision, His gracious provision. I mean, forget the midlife crisis, right? Our generation, we struggle with the quarter-life crisis. In our 20s, we're, we're stressing out because we don't know what we're doing with our lives. We're, in our 20s, we're stressing out because we don't know what, what, where we're going to... We're struggling with bitterness or depression or jealousy because of FOMO, because of technology, because of social media telling us that we don't have enough. Has it ever occurred to you that the, the FOMO you feel now, right, at the peak of your life, is only going to increase as you get older? When age slows you down when you can no longer see or do or hear or touch or taste and experience the, the things that we crave in life. 
Imagine the FOMO that you'll get the older you get as our senses and, and all that breakdown. Culture may tell you that you're missing out when you follow Jesus, but from our experience, we can see that culture itself is bound by FOMO, isn't it? Culture itself is bound by the fear of missing out. And so it's just bombarding us from every side. And, I, and there's a, a preacher in the US, Pastor Francis Chan. He sums this up perfectly. He says this, giving up everything and sacrificing everything we can for the afterlife is logical. Crazy is living a safe life and storing up things while trying to enjoy your time on earth, knowing that any millisecond God could take your life. To me, that is crazy and that is radical. The crazy ones are the ones who live life like there is no God. To me, that is insanity. That was his quote. And do you get that quote? We think it's crazy that to become a Christian because we're giving up all these worldly, these worldly pleasures as if, as if we're sacrificing so much. But what's crazy is that people don't realize there's an eternity that awaits. We can enjoy our life here as Christians. We're not missing out. When we sacrifice, we gain, don't we? We gain so much more. There's far more joy, far more excitement, far more satisfaction in a life lived out for Jesus. And Paul says he wants that. He wants to pursue that. He doesn't have it all yet in his life with Jesus. There's still so much more to be had in the Christian life. There's so much more joy to be had. There's so much more life to be had. Not in the material things, but in a deeper relationship with Jesus. And take it from Paul who has experienced the deep recesses of God's goodness, the very obstacles to happiness and joy for the Christian. Defeated by the blood of Jesus. No more selfishness, pride, guilt, death, condemnation. They're defeated by Jesus on the cross, by his blood. And every enemy of, of ultimate and eternal joy, every enemy of that is defeated, broken, paid for. And it's through Jesus' footsteps before us that he has paved the way into the eternal uh, presence in the, the beauty of God's grace, right? We get to be in his presence forever. It's a pressing on in those footsteps having an attitude and desire to experience more of God's grace in our lives for the rest of our life. Will we feel FOMO about that? There's no fear of missing out when we get to savor and taste that God is good. When we get to experience God's new morning mercies day by day. There's no fear of missing out when we get to deepen and soak in our relationship with the God of greatness himself. What are you missing out on? What can compare to the joy of being in the presence of greatness himself? You know, I really appreciated um, that quote from Francis Chan because when we understand uh, when, how we look at life and have it with the right perspective on life, it changes everything, doesn't it? When we understand that our attitude towards what, what might sound crazy, making sacrifices for the gospel and realizing actually we have an eternity and that's a perspective, that that's eternal, that we get to be with God forever, that changes everything, doesn't it? Now there will be light, there are things in this life that might lead us astray. They will tempt us not to be content with God alone and to rather want to follow in the footsteps of those who are enemies of the cross. But in Jesus, God actually gives us greater desires. He gives us greater affections that far outweigh anything this world can offer. 
Fix our eyes on the prize. Fix our footsteps on Jesus. And let's fix our identity on Jesus. Verse 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And in, ver- in chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Dear friends, we can stand firm when we fix our identity on our citizenship in heaven. We're already one with Jesus. We call him Lord and friend. When we accept him as our God and say, when our identity is him, we also receive power and strength, don't we? And in the Gospels, Jesus says he gives us that power through the the Holy Spirit, the helper. When we put our faith in Jesus, we get the Spirit. And so the Spirit helps us in times of temptations. It helps us to see the better, the glory, the wonder, the joy that only comes from God. Yes, friends, I think all of us can share that before we knew God, we had no desire for God, did we? We had no desire for His things. But once we put our faith in Him and the Holy Spirit fills us, our whole perception of God changes, hasn't it? Our whole lives are transformed. I can, I, if I asked any of one of you here today, what was your life before you met Jesus and what is your life today? I'm sure you can tell me how you've grown as a Christian. The gospel changes everything. Our lives are transformed. No longer do I desire to get caught up in, in winning the popularity contest amongst my peers. No longer do I feel enslaved by the rat race in the workforce. No longer do I feel trapped in my insecurities and emotions. No longer does the weight of having status or reputation rule me. And we're so liberated, aren't we? Oh, wow, it's so liberating. Jesus brings me freedom. He brings me security. He brings me life and a new identity. The author of Narnia, the the Chronicles of Narnia book, C.S. Lewis, he says this, We long for the scent of a flower we have not smelt, the echo of a tune we have not heard, the thought of a holiday to a place that does not exist. We always want more. And C.S. Lewis adds, we miss the beauty and the power of the sun because we're eclipsed by the immediate. Right? The fear of missing out. I mean, he he said that over 50 years ago. It was around 50 years ago in his generation as well. We always think that if we just go on that holiday, life will be better. If we just have that, he uses the scent of a flower, the echo of a tune, you know, as if that's going to satisfy. But it never does. We always want more. We're eclipsed by the immediate. But you see, we fight FOMO when we see the beauty and power of Jesus. We need to know who we are in Christ and the power that we have to be a people who see the far greater treasure we have in God going to help us fight the fear of missing out stand firm press on towards that goal keep your eyes on the prize i learned how to um some of you guys know i ride a motorbike and none of our our motorbike riders are here but i actually learned from watching a youtube video when i was in my 20s when youtube first came out i think um but i was watching a guy on his motorbike teaching me how to ride a motorbike before i rode a motorbike and uh, if you hear from the instructor, basically they'll tell you when you ride, uh, the way you look is the way you're going to turn. So if you're going to turn that, you are got to look in that direction and you'll, your body will naturally lean in that direction. Right? You make a right turn, you're going to look in the right, in that direction. The body naturally leans. It's, it's really interesting. And actually, 
happens when you're writing. So there's a hot tip if you ever want to learn. And that's the same thing. Our eyes are fixed on that direction. So you're going to lean with your motorbike. And the idea of Jesus is we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. If our eyes are fixed on Jesus, won't we naturally lean in that direction? We need to be heading in that direction towards him. And sometimes the road towards Jesus is going to be windy, isn't it? It's going to be difficult. There's going to be a lot of obstacles and hurdles. It's not going to be an easy journey. It doesn't always go straight. But we need to keep our eyes fixed on Him, on the gospel. We can't think that the Christian life is some sort of short joyride from one moment to the next when we become a Christian, but rather see it as a joy road, a joy journey a journey into joy, moving from one joy to another until we get to be in the presence of the one who is the source of joy himself for eternity. He's given us his spirit. He's given us the Bible to speak to us. And we get to live with the knowledge that we're forgiven sinners, invited into a relationship with a sovereign God. And so when FOMO strikes, will you see the joy in God that's far greater, far better? Yeah, honestly, the, the world might offer you sex, money, power, materialism, but what are you missing out on? Will our 80, say 90 years, if you're lucky, in this world of loving Jesus, loving others in the church, loving our world around us, would that be a waste of a life? Would it be a life well spent? A life spent living to the fullest, knowing that we have our citizenship in heaven for eternity secured by Jesus. You see, this invitation is for all of us to know the glory and goodness of God. It's for us here who might be at home watching or here in, the, in our congregation today, those who are still searching for meaning, still searching for an understanding of Jesus. It begins with accepting who He is. It might begin with a, a prayer to Him to say, God, I want this treasure of Jesus in my life that's far greater than anything the world can offer. I want to know You. I want to live under you as my King and as my Savior and as my Lord. That gospel invitation is open to you as much as it is to me and anyone else here. For us here who do know Jesus, have you tapped into who you are, that identity, the treasure of Christ? Uh, a 18th century Puritan, Thomas Chalmers, go look him up. He's got a lot of good stuff. Wrote a paper, you can read it. It's called The Expulsive Power of a Greater Affection. It's a thesis, okay? Have a read of it. It's hard to read, but if you ever have the time, read it with other people even, uh, debrief it. The thesis is essentially when you know the greater affection and love of Jesus, it's expulsive. It's an expulsive power. It expels the other desires and affections of your heart because he's so much more worth it. And he's saying this back in the 18th century. Soak in the beauty and love of Christ, friends. Let the moments and the decisions be driven by his goodness in our lives. Let that have an expulsive power over the temptations in life, the things that want to drag us away from the heavenly prize that awaits us. See, when I consider the gravity of FOMO in my life, it really does hit me the worst when I go on holidays. Uh, I love traveling, and you guys know that. I enjoy seeing the world. And it's usually money that stops me in time and COVID now that stops me from traveling to other countries. But when you travel, there's usually two types of people, right? There are uh, tourists, tourists who are always in a hurry. 
They, they get off the bus, they take photos, they get back on the bus, and they go to their next destination. They're all about the experience and seeing as much as you can in a little time, as little time as you can. Right? So your schedule looks hectic. If you ever go on a holiday with me, I'm a tourist. I will pack out my schedule. You do not want to go on a holiday with me if you're the beach type of person who just wants to sit around and laze. That will drive me crazy, right? So I'll go on a holiday, I'll look up trip, TripAdvisor for all the good sightseeing, I'll pack out my schedule, I'll arrive at the site, I'll take lots of selfies, right? Happy pics that I've been there that I'll never look at again, and it'll look like the, every other Google photo you'll see online. But I've got photos, and I've got me in the picture that's not photoshopped saying that I've been there, right? It's going to make all my friends envious. It's all, and once I'm done, I'm back on my feet, and I'm at the next site. Always in a hurry. Always ready to go to the next best thing on my list. Now, there's another type of people who travel, and they travel as pilgrims. Pilgrims have a purpose. Their journey only exists because of their destination, where they're going. The destination lights their journey with joy. They enjoy and savor every moment of that journey, not in a hurry, but they know that what awaits them at their destination is worth it. And the journey as a pilgrim is a hard slog. There will be blood, sweat, and tears along the way as we figure out how to live in obedience, in contentment, in humility, in grace, and in love. But it's a road that leads us from one joy to another. There is no missing out. And you see, God calls us and makes us pilgrims. Pilgrims living for a greater purpose, pressing on towards a greater destination. And if we haven't learned already, a life without Jesus is truly one that misses out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We do thank you for Jesus, Lord, who did die on the cross for our sin. He was raised again in three days so that we could have life so that sin could be done away with. Help us to keep coming back to that good news, that our faith in you means salvation, means we're right with you, means we're justified. And we do pray, Lord, that as we go through the process of being made holy by your Spirit, may we fight against temptation. May we actively, not passively, actively be aware of our sin and to repent and strive for obedience. Help us, Lord, to walk in the footsteps of Christ, to follow Him as Paul followed Him. Help us to be a people who are confident and courageous, fearless because of the gospel in our lives. Help us to be able to stand up for the fame of Jesus. Help us to be able to proclaim His name across our city and across our world, across all our social media as well. Help us, Lord, to be pilgrims on a journey. Even though it might be hard, the destination is worth it. Even though we might find obstacles in the way and things that uh, tell us that we need instant gratification now, not delayed, help us to be able to see, no, you're worth it, Lord. You're worth a life of sacrifice. You're worth a life of, of love, loving you and loving others around us. You're worth a life of repentance and obedience. Even though that might be really hard, help us to lean into you, lean towards you in that direction. And we pray this, Lord, with your Spirit's help and in Christ's name. Amen.